This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it's coming Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Little reverse pass. Friday, everybody, and welcome to Rugby Weekly with the 42. We are on the eve of the URC semi-finals, and I am delighted to be joined by Murray Kinsella of the 42 to look ahead to Leinster Munster and Stormers Connacht, two of the most eagerly anticipated fixtures of the season, naturally enough. And uh, the teams have just been named as we record, Murray. Um, but firstly, before we dig into all of that, how are you doing? How's your week going? Week's going well. My day started nicely with that Reds Chiefs game in the in the Super Rugby Pacific. Unbelievable finish. The Reds ended the Chiefs unbeaten run and they had to defend for nearly 30 phases with the clock in the red right at the end. John Ryan had a few big carries and it looked like the Chiefs were going to go over and, and keep their run going, but a massive win for, for Brad Thorne's men. Then watch the Ireland women's sevens open up their account in Toulouse with a really impressive win over France. They hammered them 27-7. Amy Lee Murphy, Crow on fire. Lucy Mahal on fire. So that bodes well for the weekend ahead. They're playing again around 7pm Irish time on Friday, then again on Saturday in their, their third pool game. And it's a huge weekend because they can clinch Olympics qualification. And after all the doom and gloom in, in women's rugby, I think that'll be a, a great story. Albeit, there'll still be lots of discussion over sevens versus fifteens, etc. It would just be cool to see an Irish women's team doing well and, and reaching that stage. So good start to the day. How are you getting on? Yeah, flying. Thank you. I'm pivoting away from rugby next week, unfortunately. Mm. I've got that Katie Taylor homecoming fight against Chantel Cameron the night of the Champions Cup final so big day sport it really is it's a little bit reminiscent of Paddy's day 2009 there was the Grand Slam game in Cardiff and then Bernard Dunn's big fight at the point as it was then and Taylor's in the three arena uh, that night same arena if you're listening from outside of Ireland and it should be massive I'm just concerned by the prospect of trying to find a place in Dublin to actually watch the game before I go to the three arena. <laughs> Probably miss a little bit of the undercard as well, which might be frowned upon because I think there's a couple of Irish fighters on that, but got to watch that rugby somehow. So yeah, You'll it's find a be, spot. It's, You'll find a spot. And there'll be plenty of Leinster fans around town probably watching it because obviously the capacity is limited to 29,000 this weekend, but still you'd expect a class atmosphere occasion. Interesting to see how many Munster come. I know Leinster are expecting a big travelling crowd Bucket loads of Munster fans is what Max Deegan said. And the last time they were up in the year for that Toulouse semi-final, it was a phenomenal atmosphere. So hopefully they bring a bit of that, a bit of colour. The Sharks game, absolute credit to, what, 14,000 people who turned out, but it was a bit empty in the stadium. It's such a big, big venue. And Bruce Springsteen was over in the RDS rocking away, so they couldn't play there. I'm just excited to see that vibrancy and that volume back in, in the Aviva for what should be a good game. Like we've ended up with a stronger Munster team than initially forecast probably. So it's nicely teed up, Gav. Yeah, it really is. I just can't wait. Like I, I can imagine the, the, the image of James Cronin's brother leading the charge, a, a series of buses, <laughs> a convoy up from Highfield. Uh, it should be magic. I think Munster fans will definitely travel in their droves and as you say the teams look pretty even let's start with Leinster as the hosts what caught your eye about this team as it was named all of 15-20 minutes ago the strength of it again and and there's loads loads missing all the frontliners nearly nearly all the frontliners 
a few guys though that will be involved again in the Champions Cup final fitness permitting and the return of Robbie Henshaw is a real big boost the return of Ronan Kelleher is a big boost then you've got the likes of Baird Jenkins Conan starting in the in the pack and they'll have you would have guessed a, a big say in the Champions Cup final as well Jimmy O'Brien at fullback so there's a real strong uh core to it are really nearly the entire 15 and and even in the halfbacks McGrath and Harry Byrne have built up a, a strong partnership and they've got good form there's punch off the Leinster bench and it's just a sign probably of the respect that they're giving to Munster that this isn't one that they're taking for granted they also can't envisage a similar slip up to the Bulls game last year because it would it would hurt even more if it was Munster that came up to Dublin and did it so I'm delighted it's it's a strong Leinster team Minus those frontline guys, but including quite a few of them as well, Gavin. Yeah, I, I think we'll see a strong, cohesive, connected Leinster performance with a bit of bite to it as well. And that's what you want from this rivalry. That's what you want. Is it still a rivalry to your mind? That that will be a really infuriating question to hear, I'm sure, if you're listening to the pod. But I, I just mean, like, we would say in Cork, describe Cork-Kerry as a great Gaelic football rivalry. And historically... It is, but when Cork can never actually get within an ass's roar of Kerry these days, like how much of a rivalry is it, 2020 aside? That's a fair point, yeah. In terms of teams need to beat each other for it to be a competitive rivalry, but there's still the edge there, and the players say it all the time, and I don't think it is just going through the motions in the media. I remember speaking to Jack Dunn recently, who's over in Exeter now, and I, he had had a chance to move provinces to Connacht in that instance. But he said, I couldn't really imagine playing for another province. Like, I know a lot of those guys off the pitch, but I hate them when I'm on the pitch. He, he feels that strongly about the, the other provinces. And while Leinster have the complete dominance of this relationship or rivalry, whatever you want to call it, they absolutely thoroughly enjoy those wins. And they take such satisfaction from them and even when we think oh they're kind of going through the motions there they're really not when they go down to Tone Park and they're able to win and yeah maybe it's it's not an equitable rivalry anymore but there's certainly a lot of feeling in it there's going to be a lot of feeling on the pitch both ways and you'd have to say that Leinster are a better team by all the metrics we've seen even with guys missing from their team but that doesn't mean there's not a lot of feeling in it and I think that'll be reflected in the in the stands as well I know there's been a sense of lethargy or apathy about it maybe in recent times for Munster fans but I think the the bounce and optimism and promising signs we've seen this season just give it a little bit of a fresh edge 100% and you've answered the question that I should have really asked which was does it still feel like a, a rivalry to Leinster do you think and I, I mean the players because Leinster fans at home will be like absolutely we love nothing more than mm. rubbing their noses in it not only beating Munster but really making it hurt you know lock the gates and make them watch sort of a thing at the RDS or the Avivors geez more often than not yeah. these days Tormund as well but you Munster players Munster players are aware of that as well like when they've had those long strings of wins Leinster probably had that almost taken the piss relationship towards them like we're in control of this completely and how how bitterly does that rest with, with Munster players and, and trying to turn that around and if you think of the most recent fixture down in Tone Park Leinster got the job done in a 10 minute spell kind of in that game but it was really tight Munster should have won that game the the other game so far this season the the one up in Aviva was a strong Leinster team and they probably should have put them away to an even greater extent but that game in Tone Park was highly competitive and this Leinster team is probably more similar to to that second game than than that first game so it's a I, I 
I very much hesitate to describe it as a free shot for Munster because I don't think that's acceptable to, for, for Munster to think, oh, let's go up and give this a lash. But it's a no pressure shot. Like no one really expects them to win. And that's a nice place for, for them to be. They thrive in those circumstances. They've gone to that well many times, but it keeps on filling up again and they'll draw from it again this weekend with, as we said, a stronger team than expected. Yeah, Peter Romani is fit to start. Uh, Jack Crowley starts at 12 with Ben Healy getting the nod at out half. And you have Keith Earls back from the retirement to which he was condemned in the headlines <laughs> only a couple of weeks ago, which yeah. aside from Romani really is the headline news here. I mean, you talk about Munster's appetite to uh, upset the apple cart. There'll be none more keen on doing that than Keith Earls. We don't know like if he has another season in him or whatever, but like... He certainly won't have too many more URC knockout games. And this is a chance for Munster and, and a chance for him as well, just to give people the reminder that he's still the man, as they say. He looked good off the bench. I know there are only little glimpses in South Africa both times. A bit of footwork, two similar breaks actually in both the games where he steps back inside and finds that space. And, and he looked athletically sharp, I have to say, in those moments. It's a big boost because they're missing Calvin Ash, who, along with John Klein, has been the player of the season in Munster. Like that's a, a tough enough call to make. But if Klein keeps playing the way he does, he'll he'll wrap it up. So it's huge to have Earls available when you've had that loss in your team. And all the bits that are missing have been compensated for in a pretty impressive fashion, I suppose. Crowley, we kind of wanted him to stay at ten, didn't we? Myself and Owen, Owen and I were talking about it on Wednesday, and Crowley versus Harry Byrne would have been fun, but. We still get elements of that. He goes to 12 and Ben Healy brings his form into the, the team at 10 and he's been really demanding that kind of start. And and then in the back five to have Omani fit and Burns slotting into the second row really seamlessly with John Hodden having made that impact in Glasgow looks really good too. I think it's great that Dima Barron is, is fit and available. He's kind of been slightly under the radar in terms of being one of the better players in Munster this season. He's He's strung all the bits of his game together and he's getting really punchy in contact too. So I think they'll be delighted how they've ended up with it. They stick with their 6-2. Rory Scannell probably is a, a surprise selection ahead of Joey Carberry who even with the, the change of, of out half still isn't involved, which is just, the, you know, the fall kind of continues for him. But um, He just got married the other day, didn't he? Yes, he did. Someone said this to me earlier on. I wasn't actually aware of it. I think it was just like a ceremony to to get married, which is obviously an amazing thing for him personally. But in his career now, he's had this frustration again. And um, yeah, it looks like he's just completely out of the picture for, for Munster coaches right now. And it'll be maybe next season before before we see him again. So um, on the whole, I, yeah, I think it's a decent it's a decent Munster team. They're my expectation still is that Leinster will win and probably win by 10 points. But I think Munster will be pleased that they have a strong enough side to show some of the stuff that they've they've grown this season and have an effort against Leinster that is different to the ones we've seen repeatedly in the last few years. You mentioned that it would have been nice to see Harry Byrne against Jack Crowley in a battle of 10s. But you know what? I actually think the dynamic if you like between Harry Byrne and Ben Healy is equally fascinating because it's a chance for Healy again to be like you picked the wrong guy or at least you picked several of the wrong guys over me like this is a a massive uh, testament to the way that Healy has been performing obviously Mar, but it's also a real show of faith in him in, in like his ability to actually steer a game from the start given what's at stake for Monster in this game like you mentioned it's it would be 
uh, unkind or inappropriate to describe it as a free hit. I genuinely think Munster are going up there thinking they can absolutely win this game. I don't really think this team has the psychological hang-ups that they've had in the past. I think a lot of that has been reinvigorated. They understand they're on a a bit of a journey and it's in its formative stages. But I don't think they're going up there thinking it'll be same old, same old. And to give Healy the reins for a game like that where the team will be fizzing, you know, fair play to him, but also fair play to the coaches for, I suppose, making a decision that would be at odds with the decisions that they made in, in mid-season. Absolutely. It's a... It's a great point. And that's been the kind of vibe from, from Roundtree and Co. Is that this is what we think. We don't know it all and we're learning as we go. And and they've adjusted as they've gone as well. And their game, as well as their selection, is kind of adjusted as they've gone. And as they come into knockout rugby, you're slightly seeing it tighten up as it has to because you have to be more error-free. But I still think they've shown the flourishes, say, even for the Frisch try against Glasgow with that lovely ball out the back from Daly in an unorthodox position and taking that chance really well when they got in there. That's the key for me is all these guys who've been playing well and as you say, some some strong selection decisions is that when they get the one or two openings, which you always get in every game, is that they're brave enough and skillful enough now to, to actually take them and put that doubt in Leinster's mind or put that scoreboard pressure on Leinster that just hasn't been the case often enough in these games at this stage of, of competitions in the last few years. And I think that's probably what excites Monster fans as well, is that they feel like they have the they feel like they have the ammunition to fire those shots now and and actually um actually do some damage. So yeah, I, I, to, to circle back, I, I agree totally. They've managed that situation well, both Healy himself and and the coaching staff and it's a case across the board. They've got a pretty happy squad there and lots of people who've had opportunities and minutes, some have grabbed them, some haven't but I don't think anyone can really argue with this selection at this stage of the season. So you reckon Leinster, maybe Leinster by 10. And just to slightly repackage the point you've just made, it's down to the fact that if you look at that Leinster team, if they get opportunities, what? They probably convert like seven, eight out of 10 times. Whereas Munster, even though they are improving, conversion rate might be sort of like more five out of six. Is it just down to ability to take the three, four big chances that might occur in this game? And the fact that they are a more complete side, team, squad, whatever you want. They, they've got so many different methods to control or seize the initiative of, of a game. They've got a really good kicking skill and intelligence and awareness. And they can obviously sling the ball through the hands. And they've got guys who can beat players one-on-one. They've got some pace out wide as well in, in Tommy O'Brien and... They've got defensive grit and nous and breakdown threats, set-piece qualities as well. So I really do see them as a, a complete team and they're able to adjust and adapt. And I think Munster are still getting there. And even with their attack, they're probably still getting there as well. Their defence has been excellent at times this season. It has been porous at others as well. And they maybe just don't have that consistency across 80 minutes that Leinster have, but... Yeah, I think I'm not by any means writing Munster off, but I think with Leinster at home and with what I I see as a, a probably even a stronger team than I expected in, in from from them, I do see them as the favourites. What do you reckon, Gav? Uh, Munster by seven, I think. How so? Um, I th- I look at the two fifteens at least. I I think Leinster's bench is stronger. 
but I look at the two fifteens as being almost equal, and I just think that I'm not really saying it with any conviction. It's just a hunch. I, I think Monster are capable of winning is all I mean, really. And I think that if you're capable, then why not just go and fucking do it? Yeah, there, good there's absolutely no science behind it. Um, and my my great run of predictions could come crashing down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are in a good run, and you actually did get a lot evening. of praise. I don't know if you heard this week, but Birch and Owen both gave you. Both gave you the credit, so um, that's how this one works out. The loser can, I don't know, buy Birch a pint after the season's over. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Just a reminder that the 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundeal Motors, whether it's luxury cars, seven-seaters for a growing family, or making the switch to electric. Find everything you need at dundeal.ie. Just before we dive into the Connacht team with Murray, here was a chat that he had with Owen Toolan, the aforementioned, on Wednesday's pod for the 42 subscribers. He's gradually and I would say kind of deliberately gradually handed over more and more responsibility to Wilkins in, in particular who's running a lot of it already now and will seamlessly step up to be the, the main man next year and it's hard to kind of just give that responsibility when you're the one who's you know the, the buck stop with, stops with you maybe when you know you're on the way out it's a, a bit easier but I think there's a lot of guys in his position who would have struggled with that and would have wanted to maintain full control of everything over everything um, so that's part of the the excellent job he's done even during the season and like we talked about earlier on Lencer keeping all the players happy in the mid part of this season when Connacht were doing their contracting when players were finding out they were being released there was that kind of discontent within a section of the squad and he's really good at managing that side of things and even in Ulster you're hearing bits and pieces of that now and it is a it is a reality in, in rugby and professional sport where the guys who aren't playing as much, the guys who are leaving are, are not going to be as happy. But I don't think there's anyone in Connacht who would say a bad word about Andy Friend. In fact, I I was looking back through his career uh, last night, yesterday, and it was striking to me that the kind of Brumby's exit was amidst reports of player discontent because I kind of struggled to to imagine that own um, just because he's he's such an affable kind of, kind of character. I mean, it's going to be a great legacy that he leaves. Maybe he'll finish with a trophy, which would be phenomenal. But even without that, he will definitely be remembered, I, I can imagine, as as one of the best kind of coaches ever. And as you say, Owen, it, well, it sounds like you've great optimism around the, the future for Connacht. Yeah, they're in, a, they're in a great spot, aren't they? I think they've got a, a really settled squad, a nice balance of experience and youth. We, we referenced the kind of pillars of the game that are now in a, a really strong place. And it's just now how they build layers on. Obviously, recruitment has been pretty good. Some high-profile players coming in. Um, looks like Bundyaki is staying, which again, I would say Andy Friend has done work in the background there because there was there was noises coming out that he wasn't happy. So, um, like, it's a tough sell. Like, uh, like Connacht in the middle of winter is a tough place to be as a professional rugby player. So, um, he's done a brilliant job. Obviously, facilities are improving, massive renovation to the sports ground as well. So. Their, their trajectory is on the upward curve and I, I think he has to take a lot of credit for that and um, let's just hope we continue to see that evolution under Wilkins he obviously want to put his own stamp on things also but I'm sure that the benefit of having an Andy friend is the, the vast amount of experience he has and I'm, I'm, I've no doubt that he'll take that into to his coaching career moving forward he never looked at the smaller budget as an excuse either and I know he gave us that great line about shopping in Aldi rather than Brown Thomas and that was the reality of our times, but also that underlined the importance of getting the homegrown side of things really mouldering forward. And it had been a bit slow there for, for quite a few years. A lot of the younger guys who were coming through had come from, say, the Leinster pathway into the Connacht Academy and onwards. But now you've got, 
your Dylan Tierney Martin, Niall Murray, Dara Murray, Kyle Ford, Shane Jennings. The list goes on really of Connacht born and bred players and that's really positive as well as the senior guys like Blade O'Halloran, Jack Carty, etc. who are, are at the other end of their career and, and continue to drive it on. Again, like you've been in Melbourne, say, where there's been an influx of players from elsewhere. But how important was it that you have, or for any club really, that you have that homegrown core coming through? Yeah, massively important, I would say, that there's there uh, retains an identity about the, the club and the fabric of the club. And it is a big challenge that Connacht are always going to have a relatively high churn of players, given the type of, of players they're trying to attract to the club. And as you said, they're shopping, and that's a great one, they're shopping in Aldi rather than Brian Thomas. So so you're not always going to get those recruits right, as I kind of already referenced. But um, I think hugely important, you, you build a club around a core group of players and, and you add to that as best you can. And and the player development isn't something that just happens. A, a huge amount of planning goes into that as well. So yes, indigenous local players, but they also have to be good enough and the time has to go into them. And I think critically important is is the work that's probably done below the senior te- team as well. That, um, that alignment with Eric Elwood, obviously a huge Connacht guy, um, that understands the club and, and there's an alignment there in terms of pathways, talent identification. Obviously, my former boss, Mervyn Murphy, is in that elite development um, kind of pathway system as well. So some really good guys, not just at, at the senior level, but below that, which is also cr- critically important in terms of ensuring that those guys, by the time they get to senior squad, are have got the, the core skills and the capabilities to be able to deliver when the when they're called upon so I, as I said I think I think the club's in a really good spot That was Murray Kinsler and Owen Toulon chatting about Andy Friend and his finish to the season with Connacht and it's not finished yet Murray what do you make of that Connacht team it, it, it's pretty much as you'd expect I think for Cape Town isn't it? It's amazing that they have no injuries and they don't have to make any changes it's really rare particularly at this stage of the season to have such a healthy squad and Andy Friend rightly credited the medical and S&C staff in, in Connacht for, for getting that right and, and having everyone ready to go. And as we saw last weekend, having everyone ready to go in a in a fashion that looks like they're kind of peaking. And, and that's a hard thing to do, particularly with a team like Connacht, who at the outset of the season or the start of the season, lots of us didn't see as being in the, the playoffs. They did and, and they kept building on towards that. So it's been a, a phenomenal ride and they definitely go to the Stormers and, and get a free shot here because it's already a successful season and not that Munsters isn't in, in that regard but they're major underdogs for this it's going to be a big crowd against the reigning champions apparently the pitch is in an awful condition so it might be a bit slippery and, and I know that Connacht want to play attacking rugby but their kicking is probably really their, their super strength in their game and if conditions aren't ideal they can they can control things that way when, when Jack Carty's got the ball in the string. So I think the Stormers were going to be really strong and really determined to get another shot, as they'll think, at Leinster in a final and come back to Dublin, having had that draw in the RDS only relatively recently uh, and have another go at it in the Aviva. Uh, they've got two changes to their team, so missing um, Dion Forey and Marvin Ori through injury, but... It's really, really strong selection with this sprinkling of spring box and a bit of energy onto the bench, even with um, Sasha Ngomazelu, who's a real big talent. Delighted to see him back involved. And yeah, I mean, if the pitch shows up in a decent way, it could be a spectacularly good game. But 
I'd fancy the Stormers with their with their track record and they're not completely flawless in Cape Town, but they're close to it. If you were to take Monster's victory in Cape Town as a template, is that replicable from Connacht's standpoint? Like, I, I guess it was a pragmatic type of game plan. Monster's attacking mall is, you'd imagine, well, I mean, we've seen it, it's probably a little bit stronger than, stronger than Connacht's, but are there aspects of what Monster did that Connacht could produce themselves in the semi-final? Totally. Some of that kicking stuff and Connacht's Mall has been one of the success stories of their season with Default Senegal, who's leaving, unfortunately, but has had a really good impact in improving defensive side of the mall and, and also them going forward. And you've got to do those things well against the South African sides, even like the Stormers, who aren't that stereotypical South African side, which I actually think that stereotype is, pr- is probably wrong now. Like everyone doesn't play like the Bulls in South Africa or even the Springboks. There's attacking flair in abundance and and the Stormers really back themselves to find space with their running game or their attacking kicking game but you've got to be physically highly competitive in the set piece and you've got to kick the, the ball well I think you have to do that to win any semi-final of any high level competition anyway so Connick will have to do those things well and they'll have to take their chances more clinically they should have beaten Ulster by more and against a better team they would have paid the price and had massive regrets over some of those missed chances which were really guilt-edged like you you just cannot miss some of those opportunities and and they in a sense got away with it because the rest of their game was so good against Ulster but it'll have to be peak um, clinical edge in, in this one Gav So you're saying Stormers? I'm saying Stormers against Leinster in the final yeah What about you? Stormers monster final yeah I thought you were going to say Connacht again <laughs> I oh I no, I, I don't think so this time. I don't think so this time. The feeling isn't in my waters this time around. <laughs> <laughs> always go with your, always go with your gut. Yeah. We'll leave it there. Uh, Murray, you will be back on Monday with Kieran. As I say, I'll be on the boxing beat next week. You're a little bit removed from rugby for a few days, but you'll be in steady hands. Go well over the weekend. Have fun on the boxing beat. Thank you. Thanks to everybody for tuning in as well. And yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Mind yourselves in the meantime. Take it easy. This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. Driver's got names for filthy double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols. And he's refreshing the world in mind, body and spirit. Mind, body and spirit. You better hear it and fear it. Oh, that's the spirit. Saying, sister, sister, how I miss you, miss you. Let's go wrist to wrist and take your skin off of a whisper. If you're a rock star, pawn star, superstar, doesn't matter what you are. Get yourself a good car, get out of here. Yeah. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land.
Give me some real two double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes cows.